You're listening to episode 56 of Positively. I'm your host, Rocío Carvajal, food history writer, cook and author. And on this podcast, I explore the gastronomic traditions of Mexico and bring together the voices of cooks, authors and entrepreneurs who build cross-cultural bridges around the world championing Mexican food. To find more information about the podcast and subscribe to my newsletter, check this episode's notes or go to pasachipotle.com. You can rate, leave a review for the show or share it with your friends using your favorite podcast app. Mexico has a vast natural, cultural and human wealth. Many examples of our tangible and intangible historical and cultural heritage have also been listed by UNESCO for their protection and study. That is the case of Mexico's cuisine, which is an essential component of our identity. And at the core of our food system are agricultural practices and ancestral food knowledge. Without knowing it, the early sedentary tribes who thousands of years ago domesticated the crops that gave them food security and became central to their diet, gifted with this hard work millions of people around the world. And of course, that work also beat the staple pillars of Mexico's cuisine. But over time, our food consumption, preferences, and the increasing complexity of our political and economic global networks, our agriculture, food practices, technology, and habits, well, they also have reflected many changes. Our diets have become enriched, and in our pantries we can find foods and ingredients that come from far away lands and distant continents. However, this has also come at a cost, because we have also displaced and sometimes threatened the very same food practices that fed our ancestors and remain essential for so many people. Corn is the most culinary significant food of Mexico, and I dare say even more globally transcendent than chiles themselves. The number of staple crops upon which humanity depends is remarkably small. Most of them are cereals, and few of them have corn's adaptability, resilience, and return of investment. From corn alone, we can obtain biofuels, starches, food to feed cattle and humans alike, sweeteners, spirits, ethanol, and all the derived products from it. But for most Mexicans, corn means one thing, tortillas. And that is why it's so hard to imagine that Mexico is going through a serious corn crisis that has hit, well, the very corn masa dough and tortillas. But how can this be? Now, the root of all these problems is, well, deeply rooted in the domestic and global agro-industry and the legal frameworks that often are far behind contemporaneous circumstances that affect the whole production and consumption chain. And this is pretty much the scenario where Fundación Tortilla de Maíz Mexicana, or in English, Mexican Corn Tortilla Foundation, a charity dedicated to create viable solutions, facilitate dialogue across public and private sectors, and educate the public about the cultural, economic, and gastronomic significance of Mexican corn, comes to join. 
This organization is the brainchild of Rafael Mier, a business and public policy specialist who transitioned from the business sector to social corporate responsibility. And from public policy planning, he found a way to combine his deep personal passion for traditional farming and his professional background to create Fundación Tortilla back in 2015. This charity rapidly became a household name in Mexico thanks largely to their lobbying work at both the Senate and the Chamber of Deputies to promote revisions and much-needed amendments to the laws to protect native varieties of corn and to ensure the adequate and transparent use of labeling of additives and preservatives to mass-produced corn tortillas. This interview was originally recorded in Spanish, but I decided to make it available in Spanish and English. In the notes of this episode, you will find a link to a special blog post where I have compiled some videos and materials related to Fundación Tortilla and Rafael Mier, so you can check more about their work. I want to give a special mention to Nicole Macrinos for suggesting this very episode. Nicole is a Mexican organic vanilla entrepreneur and a new mom of baby Leo. I will leave a link to an interview Nicole and I recorded a while ago so you can also know more about her work. I feel particularly happy to share and champion the work of Rafael Mier and Fundación Tortilla whose love and passion for Mexico and our culinary heritage really brings hope and pride to all Mexicans. I hope you enjoy this episode. To start the conversation, we went back to the very origins of corn in the Americas a prodigious wild grass genetically related to the same botanical family of other distant cousins like rice, oatmeal, barley, wheat and sorghum. Together they were the stars of the agricultural revolution of the Neolithic and they were domesticated over a long period. I asked Rafael to break down for us this domestication process and how the ancient variety called Teocintle, with its hard and small kernels, became the giant 59 varieties of corn that Mexico has today. Bueno, pues como dices, esta, la planta del maíz pertenece a, a las gramíneas. Indeed, all modern-day cereals are from the same botanical family and descend from ancient edible wild grasses. And according to evidence, we can be quite certain that modern-day corn comes from Teocintle, a wild grass that still exists. And it's very likely that the early nomadic human groups must have noticed certain nourishing qualities from this plant. Teocintle has very small and hard kernels, but the stems and the leaves can be very juicy and sweet, so they probably began eating those first. A very interesting theory is that it is likely that, by accident, these people discovered that the kernels from Teocintle could be cooked when exposed to fire or heat, as they pop just like popcorn. The slow domestication and selection of traits changed the aspect of this plant. 
but this was a very slow process. And we can see from evidence of specimens, they already start showing certain rows of kernels that are much similar to modern-day corn. This process required the work of thousands of generations of farmers and cooks that modified the plant each crop cycle. And it is also safe to assume that each family will decide which seeds to keep, which to plant, and when they will travel, they will disperse and acquire different varieties. And that is how humans helped corn and farming techniques to disseminate across Mesoamerica and Aridoamerica. Proof of this process is the presence of corn in the modern-day south of the U.S., in New Mexico and Arizona, and also in South America, like in Peru, Bolivia, Ecuador, Colombia, Venezuela, and of course, Central America, showing that the human movement and migration always took crops with them. Rafael points out that, in the case of Mexico, corn cultivation is way more complex than anywhere else, because we have today 59 kinds of corn, from which, literally, there's hundreds of varieties that descend from them, and they're distributed all over the nation. I made the point, then, that in Mexico, one really doesn't have to make much of an effort to find corn cooked and prepared in a large variety of ways, freshly harvested and cooked in soups, roasted, boiled, ground, toasted. We could almost say that in Mexico one is surrounded by corn, but appearances can be deceiving. As Fundación Tortilla points out, in the last 30 years, Mexico has consumed 40% less corn than in previous decades. And to understand what this actually means, what does it say about ourselves as consumers, and why should we care, Rafael explained the following. Bueno, pues primero hablar de que el maíz es el alimento de mayor importancia para la dieta de los mexicanos. Creo que por ahí es importante que empecemos. Corn is still the main crop and ingredient of Mexicans' diet. The annual per capita consumption of corn is about 90 kilos. But in previous decades, it was about 130 kilos per capita. So one of the main reasons for the change in our diet is due to internal migration in the country from rural areas to urban centers. And not only that meant that these diasporas stopped eating their traditional foods and corn, it also meant that corn stopped being planted in their communities of origin, or planted with less frequency. On the other hand, the availability of so many products and ingredients from different parts of the world at supermarkets and markets have displaced or reduced the consumption of domestic crops. And of course, the popularization of processed foods like biscuits, refined flours, bread, eggs and chicken. And each food choice made every day by every individual does have an impact. To exemplify this, Rafael said, Si uno decide desayunar un día hot cakes, pues lo más seguro es de que tus hot cakes no los acompañes con tortillas. Say you want to have pancakes for breakfast you won't be having any tortillas to accompany those. So that means that, at least for that meal, you won't be having any tortillas. So therefore, you will buy less than before. 
And to answer why should we be concerned about the reduction and consumption of corn, Rafael insisted that we should begin by saying that the fact that Mexicans' diet has become more varied and has more options and ingredients to choose from is really not a bad thing per se. However, sadly, many of the food choices that we make and the ways we substitute corn or other native ingredients doesn't always turn out to be the healthiest and best option. And consequently, because of this sharp drop in the demand of corn, its cultivation also has diminished as farmers now struggle to maintain the production and this has consequences in microeconomies and impacts the overall gastronomic corn culture. Hoy en día la tortilla a la cual tenemos acceso muchos mexicanos no es la misma tortilla con la misma calidad. Another problem has been the rise of low-quality mass-produced tortilla, which Fundación Tortilla and Rafael call junk tortilla, that has altered the traditional nixtamalization process to make hominy, which only requires three ingredients, water, corn, and either lime, the mineral, or ash. Nixtamalization, Rafael reminds us, is an ancient method to transform dried corn kernels into masa. They are soaked with lime or ash, then boiled and ground. This process creates several things. It alters the chemistry and structure of corn, releasing the nutrients and amino acids, creating protein chains. Also releases the natural pectin, that is like a gelatin, and stabilizes the starches in the masa, making it pliable soft and elastic. Hence, when you rolled, bend or fold a traditional, freshly made corn tortilla, it won't break. In Mexico, tortillas are typically sold hot and freshly made. Rafael was quick to point out that nowadays, industrially produced tortillas that are sold cold and wrapped in plastic bags can sit for weeks at a time on the shelves and they contain many chemical additives to slow down the natural process of decomposition. And thanks to the research that his team has performed, they have found the use of edible softeners, colorings, and many other ingredients that are not always listed on the labels. After hearing this, I pondered about the impact of UNESCO's declaration of Mexican gastronomy as intangible cultural heritage of mankind that occurred back in 2010, which has fundamentally transformed the way Mexicans understand, study and value our culinary diversity. That Mexico today is recognized worldwide as a gastronomic powerhouse was something that didn't occur overnight as we Mexicans had to undergo a transformative process to understand the complexity of our food system and the importance of all of its components, which is something at the heart of Fundación Tortilla's ethos, as they equally champion the seeds of identity and the knowledge and skills of traditional farmers and cooks who keep our gastronomic traditions alive. These are the observations that Rafael shared. Sin duda, la parte más popular, la parte más masiva, pues se va mucho por el tema de los tacos. O se va It is true that outside Mexico, there has been a simplification, which mainly has been reduced to tacos and only a handful of other traditional dishes. But within Mexico, there has been great efforts, first to document and to bring back our ancestral food knowledge. 
for Rafael, Mexican gastronomy is really the sum of agricultural practices, tools, technology, and cooking techniques, traditions, and the way food weaves itself into the social life of communities. Fortunately, there has been a rise in numbers and presence of traditional cooks, research works, and there's also been an important growing number of organizations like Fundación Tortilla that are dedicated to study and preserve specific native crops like corn or chiles. We have also seen an increased number of gastronomic festivals across the country and many restaurants have also joined this movement and now showcase dishes that use native ingredients that are seasonal and traditional. Antiguamente no enseñaban eh, cocina mexicana, la daban muy, muy por... And this is quite an achievement because not too long ago cooking techniques weren't even taught at culinary schools and this has changed significantly as of late. Sin lugar a dudas México tiene una cocina muy amplia, muy vasta, pues que es una cosa que se, que se ve, que se aprecia, no simplemente las personas. Que to close this, Rafael also mentioned that the complexity and vastness of Mexico's gastronomy has yet many secrets to be revealed that can be found at the heart of traditional kitchens, and more importantly, they're best understood and appreciated when enjoying them and getting familiar with them here in Mexico. Moving on, I asked Rafael to walk us through the lobbying and advisory work that Fundación Tortilla has done with senators and deputies to regulate the health and quality standards of the production of corn tortilla, as well as regulating the added preservatives and other ingredients that aren't disclosed to the end consumer. This is what he explained. Ahorita ha sido un logro muy importante para el maíz, la aprobación de la ley para el fomento de maíz nativo. We have recently achieved a huge milestone for Mexican corn, which is a newly approved law to protect and incentivate the cultivation of native varieties of corn. And they have joined the efforts behind this initiative that was launched by two current members of the Senate. And this law not only includes the safekeeping of those native varieties of corn, but also protects and fosters the continuation of traditional agricultural practices. That this law was passed is really the result of joint efforts from Congress members, nonprofits, experts and the general public who also shared their concern about the indiscriminate use of GMO seeds. Hemos estado trabajando más en la parte de la norma de la tortilla. Es una norma la cual regula cómo se elaboran las tortillas en nuestro país. Y On the other hand, Fundación Tortilla has been deeply involved with the initiative to regulate the production of tortillas that goes from health and safety regulations to the full disclosure and restriction of the use of chemical substances that go into these tortillas. Of which Fundación Tortilla has como identified que estar de limpio y luego la parte de información comercial. Esta es una norma que depende de la Secretaría de Economía y la Secretaría de Salud really is aimed to not only help consumers to make better choices, but also to distinguish qualities, types, and nutritional value of tortillas. Because there has been a rise of enriched masa and tortillas mixed with other ingredients like amaranth, chia seeds, cactus, which also require a different set of labeling and regulations. 
At this point, Rafael also made the observation that hopefully the actual health crisis that we're going through will prompt in us a deep reflection and revision about the actual state of our food system and ideally will be a call to action towards ensuring a more sustainable way of producing food and also value our traditional staple crops like corn. As historically, in Mexico, in times of crisis, it has always been corn, the one food we always return to. I then addressed another type of product from corn. Because we can all think of obvious connections between certain culinary traditions, specific ingredients and geographical spaces, but the worldwide ubiquity and popularity of corn makes of foods like popcorn feel as American, African or European. The truth is that popping corn has been vastly documented across many ancient indigenous works like the Florentine Codex that describes the preparation and consumption of mamochtli, or popcorn, to you and me. Rafael and his team have worked extensively documenting and promoting the farming of native varieties of maíz palomero, or popcorn. And Rafael shared a mini masterclass in popcorn. Check this out. Bueno, pues justamente como platicamos al principio, se consumen palomitas desde hace más de 6.000 años, tanto en México como... Popcorn has been consumed in the Americas uninterruptedly for 6,000 years. The preparation of corn requires only for the kernels to be heated over ashes, hot sand, open flames or in a pot. We know this thanks to archaeological evidence in caves in Tehuacán, Oaxaca, New Mexico and even Chile to mention some that have been identified being 2,000 years old. In more recent times, at the arrival of Spanish conquistadors, people like Fray Bernardino de Sagún documented that momochtli was sold as a snack at indigenous markets at the imperial Aztec capital. And they were used since then to make bountings and banners for ritualistic celebrations. These practices remain very present at many rural and suburban communities across the country. Fundación Tortilla has done extensive research in the state of Mexico and some areas that were former indigenous towns now part of Mexico City. Sadly, the production of these popcorn varieties of corn has declined so much that in many communities it has entirely disappeared. In total, there are only seven different types of this special corn, and those are the ones more closely related genetically to the ancestral Teocintli. Rather alarmingly, Rafael says that 99% of the popcorn that is sold and consumed in Mexico comes from the U.S., and Fundación Tortilla has been deeply involved in creating and socializing content to educate the public about this popcorn crisis and to get them to know our traditional varieties and help educate farmers to reintroduce the crops as a way to supplement their income. Popcorn is a most healthy and delicious snack that really gets a bad reputation because of the overuse of saturated fats, sodium, sugar, and artificial flavors and colorings. So, Rafael and Fundación Tortilla really want to get people to discover the actual real fresh and natural flavor of popcorn and fall in love with it. One of the big allies that they have managed to get on board with this project is the giant Mexican movie theater chain Cinepolis, who's been very supportive of the reintroduction of crops of popcorn corn in Mexico. Moving on, 
I mentioned that Mexico is incredibly lucky to have such a blessed climate and fertile soils that facilitated such a diverse and strong agriculture. But honestly, part of me struggles at keeping positive and not feeling too overwhelmed with the situation that Mexico lives from the chronic poverty in rural areas, mass migration to urban centers, emigration to the US, drug-related crime that poisons everything it touches, obsolete public policies, corruption, da-di-da-di-da. Rafael has a much wiser way of seeing this and tries to find opportunities for growth and sees the chance to raise awareness and address key issues surrounding our food safety and ancestral food practices. This is what he said. Pues bueno, yo creo que una de las principales es el reconectar con el origen del alimento y con la cocina. Y como yo te decía, yo creo que este, este episodio que vamos a vivir ahora va a conectar. It is key to reconnect with the origin and source of our food and traditional food knowledge. Mankind has to wake up and look back to our ancestral sustainable practices and reintroduce them to ensure food safety. But for that to happen, people need to be interested not only in farming, but also in cooking and knowing where their food comes from. We need to generate and socialize knowledge and information about our traditional crops, foods and current challenges in order to move towards a new era of awareness and responsibility towards our food system and safety. The other more complex side is to continue working on strengthening and updating the legal frameworks, as Fundación Tortilla has done so diligently, for the production of corn, masa and all the derived corn products. Rather enthusiastically, Rafael says that we really are heading to the right direction. Believe me when I say that I carefully handpick each and every one of the guests that I present to you over the show. As a communicator, it's a responsibility and a great opportunity for me to showcase the uniqueness and relevance of their work, but also to share the intimate and personal side that inspires them. Rafael's own path very much reflects how we often circle back to our core passion to reinvent ourselves. Digo, una parte es mi parte profesional y otra parte es mi vida personal, ¿no? Yo desde muy niño siempre tuve una gran afición al campo. Entonces yo desde muy pequeño pues sembraba y tenía la oportunidad de tener un espacio donde podía sembrar. From his early childhood, Rafael had the chance to learn to farm and he was very much used to planting vegetables. Because all of them come from rural areas, from generations back growing up knowing and loving farming. So when Rafael went to college and did his undergrad and then postgraduate studies in business and administrations while working with governments and in the private sector as advisor and consultant in public policy, he really never gave up his involvement with organic farming. So one day he realized that corn was the key to start a movement to rethink our food traditions. So he came up with the idea of creating a simple Facebook page about traditional corn tortillas and everything blew up from there. Rafael has always been interested in centering the attention on the people who carry on farming and practice these culinary traditions because for him, they are the key to keep all this food system alive. <laughs> 
gente, he tenido la oportunidad de conocer a muchas personas, nos han apoyado muchas personas también, ¿no? For him, this path has been deeply interesting and rewarding, and corn has revealed itself as a very complex subject with many areas to explore, learn and grow, but thanks to this, he's been able to work and know many people from all avenues of life, and together they continue promoting and championing Mexican corn. Rafael has big ambitions and hope for the future of Fundación Tortilla, but also for all of us. So his concerns about the current pandemic turned rapidly into pointing out the chance to reconnect with food in a different way and use this wake-up call to find better ways of producing food. And this is what he said. Bueno, pues ahorita justamente pues queremos esta aprobación de la norma de la tortilla. Eso creo que va a ser un gran logro y también queremos... Este... First and foremost, definitely he wants to push through all these regulations for the production of tortillas. Him and his team are really looking forward creating many more learning materials to make them accessible and easy to share with people so they can learn as consumers, make information available for farmers, for food businesses and for different audiences. In short, he really wants to see corn as a source of pride and well-being for all Mexicans. Rafael really hopes to publish a book about corn in the following year. And jokingly, he said that it will be a great opportunity to take the chance to start this script during these days of lockdown. Nosotros trabajamos mucho con Facebook. El Facebook de la Fundación es Tortilla de Maíz Mexicana. To follow and get in contact with Rafael and the team of Fundación Tortilla de Maíz Mexicana, you can click the links that I have left for you on the show's notes. And of course, you can reach out to them via email. No, pues muchísimas gracias, Rocío. Y un gusto platicar contigo. Ahí cuando quieras, aquí estamos. Y saludos a todos las personas que nos escuchan por allá en Estados Unidos. I am most thankful with Rafael for sharing so much of his work and the nitty-gritty details of what food advocacy really looks like and the great and transformative impact and role that non-profits have in society. Thank you for listening. This episode was written and produced by me, Rocío Carvajal. If you want to enjoy extra content about today's podcast, check this episode's notes, where you will also find links to connect and follow the accounts of Rafael Mier and Fundación Tortillas channels. Your support means everything. Every time you recommend the show to a friend, purchase one of my ebooks, or make a donation, you help me continue producing this program that is free for everyone to enjoy around the world. The next episode of the show will be a bit of a time travel. You see, this past April 16th, my hometown of Puebla celebrated its 489th anniversary of its foundation. And since May is around the corner, I decided to make a special episode about the true history behind the Cinco de Mayo battle and its celebration. And no, it has nothing to do with Independence Day, 
or giant margaritas or carnivals. I won't spoil it for you, but if you are curious already, stay tuned. Please remember you can always reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter on both accounts, my personal account and the podcast's account. And you can drop me an email to say hola to hello at pasachipotle.com. Well, that's it for today, my friends. Until the next time.